insist on everyone being healthy before they're broken. So it's to be torture. I can cope with torture. Don't believe me? You survived the fire swamp. You must be very brave. But nobody withstands the machine. You'll have to watch the rest of that on your own time. All right? Sorry about that. Um, that's probably a clip I've used more than anything, and I think it's because of, first of all, I love it, that clip and that movie, but uh, uh, second of all, the whole idea of the pit of despair, and we're going to find Peter, maybe not in a pit, but in a jail, a prison, and I know um, that here this morning, um, those plenty watching as well with us online, there are many different of those pits of despair represented, or prisons. Probably not real prison, right? If you escaped from prison and came to church, stay for church, but then go turn yourself in, all right? Do that. But prison, this is how I, I, I define um, the, a, a prison. It's any, any circumstance where you truly just feels like there's no way out. I'm not going to get out. I've tried. I failed. I'm never going to get free. It's never going to happen. It just, I may as well, and the threat is you say, I may as well give up. And so maybe that's you, or maybe for, cer- for certain you at least know somebody. It's in a circumstance you're just like, I don't know. I don't know how to help. And so we're going to see Peter in that, and the church as they pray for him in that. And I want us to um, be encouraged to keep going, to keep believing, to keep praying. Because God is bigger than any circumstance that you feel walled in. Let's pray. Lord, we give you the glory of this time together, not just this time with, with me sharing the word, but a time of the Lord's Supper. We thank you for Greg and leading us in that, our worship team and song. And, and, and Lord, we, we pray that this would just continue to be a time that brings you glory and praise and honor you deserve, but also that you would, through your spirit, dig deep into our lives like a soothing balm for the woes that we might be experiencing or um, a word that somebody can hide in their heart for a, a day that's coming where they'll desperately need it. Or an encouragement to just not give up, to keep on trusting you in all the various circumstances in this difficult world. We pray that you would um, 
do what only you can do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So um, we are rounding out here. We're almost done with the, the sermon series. We're, we'll come back to Acts someday, but um, probably soon. Um, but we're only going through, this is, I think we have one more week after this. So we're Acts chapter 12. If you want to uh, follow along and not just look at the screen, you're certainly uh, encouraged to do that. It's verse 1 uh, of Acts 12. We're almost there. So this, um, before we, we, we read that, that verse, there's two things. Um, one, uh, I, I want to point out as we go through this story, it's one of my, I know I say this all the time, right? But it's one of my favorite stories, certainly the book of Acts. Um, and one of the reasons is because uh, Luke weaves tremendous humor throughout this story. Like, there's, it, it's a little bit subtle, but I'll try to show you why it's funny. But also, it's, it's like, it's almost like uh, uh, he, he's, took this story from someone who truly was there. It was Peter or someone else or both, but he puts it together. It really makes you feel like you are there, the details in this, in this story. Um, so that's first. Second, you know, anytime um, any of us share a message, I know sometimes you think, oh, you write a sermon and then you preach it. It's just not that easy. Um, it really is a, a, a struggle um, spiritual struggle of, of prayer and simmering in it and letting the word that um, I'm going to give you hit me first. And some weeks are different than others. And this week, this specific one, um, just really a uh, lot of choked up moments where I was like, boy, I can't be this bad when I'm actually preaching it. Um, and so far, so good with our first two. But um, and I say that just to kind of my weekly reminder that, that this isn't just me dispensing some kind of wisdom on you. This is God's word that really brings to bear on all of our lives. Me, not only just included, but sometimes chief of you. Um, and it certainly was the case this week um, as we look at this topic. And so last week, we, we, we've been really kind of, as, as, the, as the gospel goes to the Gentiles, we've been in the church of Antioch. But now we've shifted just for a moment before Paul will take over in the book of Acts and, and, and be the kind of the main character. We have one more big story with Peter, and it's a great one, right? And, and it's back to the church in Jerusalem. Um, and, and so this is how Luke, Luke sets the scene for us in chapter 12. He says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, when you see that in the Bible, the Jews, they're all pretty much Jewish here, uh, but it means the Jewish leaders, right? Sanhedrin, the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, those guys. He proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now this was during the days of the unleavened bread. So, this is the scene. It's sad, it's tragic, it's the church is being persecuted, even worse than when Stephen was stoned, now it's coming even to the apostles. We're talking James here, right? Like this is the, the inner circle of Christ. Peter, James, John, top three, one of them was arrested, held overnight, brought out some kind of trial, in quotes, and then killed with a sword. And so uh, the, the church is up in arms. It's like a, a, a bee's nest that gets riled up. Like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And, and, and this is all spearheaded by Herod. Now, even if you don't have a church background, you've probably heard the name Herod before. Um, but you probably remember the Herod. It was this Herod's grandfather, who we call Herod the Great, who was not very great. He's the one that killed a bunch of babies in, in, uh, you know, in, in Bethlehem. You know, Christmas story, beautiful. He, he, that was this Herod's grandfather. 
Um, and he, uh, he, this great Herod killed this Herod, the king's father, when he was pretty young. And so our Herod in this story, um, actually because he didn't, didn't have his father anymore, he was raised by powerful high up families in Rome. And why that's important is because this, we has a Jewish heritage, but doesn't really play out in his life. He's living with these high up families and he makes childhood friends with guys who are really going to come into power eventually. In the meantime, he's kind of a deadbeat. He ends up in a debtor's prison. He doesn't have the best life going for himself until his childhood friends become, you know, all-powerful in Rome. They take him out of prison and they give him all kinds of power over the land where Jerusalem is. But he's very political. And he knows, my childhood friends might lose power. So I'm going to maintain it by currying favor with the Jewish leaders who I'm mainly overseeing here. And so he would do that. And so he knows that they are not happy with this sect of Christianity that's blown up, right? And so he decides to arrest and kill any apostle he can get his hands on. Starts with James. Most of the apostles have scattered from the city. James is there for whatever reason. Arrests him and kills him. And then he looks. They're so happy about that. He says, let's go after the main guy, Peter. And so he arrests Peter. And now Peter is in the very same spot that James had been, except it's the week of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. This is um, verse 4. And when he had seized Peter, Herod put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest, and I want you to make note of that word, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Okay, so here's the scene. They arrest Peter. We're going to find out later that he's literally chained to to the guards themselves, okay? They put him deep within this prison. There's several uh, gates, uh, the big gate, and then several more. Inner just goes all the way in, and he's got them. He can't, like, he's always chained, right, to these guards. Why would Herod do that? Well, because the Sanhedrin probably told him, hey, these apostles, they're like escape artists when it comes to prisons. Remember our early story in Acts where they went to prison and suddenly they were gone because an angel got them out? So Herod's like, not on my watch, man. You're in prison. You ain't getting out. I guess we'll find out. Will they or not? Or will he or not? And so this is truly a situation of no way out. But he can't kill him right away because in this week, even though, by the way, this is the week that Jesus was crucified, it's not, uh, it was not, it was kind of frowned upon in Jewish circles to kill someone or or, um, execute someone during the feast. This feast was a week long and a lot of pilgrims would come to Jerusalem, right? You had Passover followed by the unleavened bread. We've talked about that before. And so you have all people in the city and so Herod needs to wait for this feast to be over. So he's holding Peter till that can happen in chains deep in the prison where there's no way out. Not only was there seemingly no way out for Peter, but think about the church at Jerusalem. They're being persecuted. James is killed. Now, Peter, what is God doing, right? And so they're up in arms as well. And so what do they do? They pray. But as I mentioned, it's earnest prayer. That word in the Greek, earnest, it means to strain. You ever strained with something? It's not easy, right? Like when you strain against something or you're, you're struggling, you're fighting, you're, you're pushing through. That's not the kind of language we typically use with prayer, is it? Usually it's like, oh, I had a great time. 
prayer walk, I talked to God, and that's good. I listened to God, I meditated, all good stuff. But sometimes prayer is a struggle. It's a, what are you doing, God? We don't get what's happening, God. Help us, God. Help him. Help Peter. James is, Lord, right? They're gathered together, and they're earnestly, or they're struggling in prayer. So as Peter's in chains with no way out, and the church is gathered together praying, right? Like, the first step of any uh, prison or, or pit of despair you are in, where you feel like there's no way out, is to keep going. And I know this isn't exactly earning my big bucks, right? Oh, thanks, Jamie. Just keep going. Well, that's not all. But man, that's the first step. It's because when you're in this place, it's dark and you don't see the light. And, 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 and it's that despair. Imagine how Peter must have felt. Like, I mean, God rescued him before, but he just watched his really good friend James die. Could be my turn. For us, it might be a situation where it's something that you've tried and tried and tried, and it's just not happening. It's an addiction. It's grief. It's a relationship. It could be your marriage. It could be a wayward child. It could be any of the, some illness you have. And you just, you're just, here's, here's, the temptation is to believe the lie from the enemy that you can't do it, you won't do it, you're not strong enough, you're not good enough, you're certainly not spiritual enough, and it's not going to happen for you. So, give up. Just give up. Just, just distract yourself with the pleasures of the world. Just numb your pain, right? Drink more, do more drugs, do, you know, whatever it is. To just Because you are in this place where there's no way out and you're not getting out. That is the lie that we tend or are tempted to believe. That God isn't bigger than our situation. That he isn't over, sovereign over us. That this isn't in his hands, right? That's the temptation. And so that's why the first step, as I look at this story, right, as, as Peter looked around, right, and he's going to be maybe dead the next day, is to not give up, to keep going, to keep obeying, to keep just taking a step forward. You don't see it. Your attitude might not even be great, right? You still are, are, have the tears. You still have the strength. You're straining. You're struggling. But you don't give up. You don't listen to that lie. You don't buy it. You keep on going. The enemy wants you to do what Job's, Job's wife said. Curse God and die or give up. What's the point? To just lose heart. Distract, numb. Maybe you are not in one of those pit of despairs right now. Praise God for that. But I'll bet you know someone, right? You're just like, I just don't know what to do to help. I just don't know what to do. I've tried. I've tried to talk to them. I just, I don't, I, the situation's too hard. They're too sick. They're too, that, it's too far gone. It's too, right? And, and, and you see them, and it's like, they're in a no way out situation, just like the church saw Peter. So you're sitting there going, there's nothing I can do. Really? Nothing? What did they do? You can do the best thing possible for them, for that person, and that is to strain in prayer. Like you're, you're like, God, help deliver him out of this addiction. He can't do it, but you can. 
She's been in grief for so long. I don't think she remembers what it's like to not be in grief. Lord, give her peace. Help her. Put some, like, like she, she, that family just lost the, uh, the mother of their family. God, what are they going to do? They're so hopeless, right? Like the straining of prayer. And here's why I love this church, and I'm about to do a spoiler for you, and I'm sorry about that, hopefully, if you've never heard this story. Because I love this group of Christians. They're my people, man. They, I, this is why I love them. They are straining in prayer, asking God to deliver Peter. Later on, God answers their prayer. Peter arrives, and their answer is, no. That can't be. That's why I love them. Because when people are so just like prayer, and then God answers, they're like, yup. It's like, man, you are just too, I, I can't be that. Right? This is me. Like, like, God, do it. And then when he does it, I'm like, really? Wow. Don't you feel better when you're looking at this? This is what it means to be human. This is what I mean by keep going. Because even when you're praying, sometimes you don't even believe this is going to be answered. You're just like, I don't know. I don't know if it's good. But God, do it. Oh, in the back of your mind, right? You're like, I don't know if he's going to do it. That's okay. Keep going. Keep straining. Right? Keep fighting sometimes with yourself in prayer. That's what you need to do. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't let the enemy tell you to, to keep pleading with God in a pit of despair. It, for me personally, because I know, because a lot of you have shared how often you pray for me. And I want you to know that, man, that's so awesome for me to know. That when I'm in one of those situations, to know, even if you don't know the situation, to know the sweet aroma of so many of you just pleading with God on my behalf. There's nothing better you can do for me, for each other. Keep going. Keep going. You'll be amazed to see what God will do and what God will deliver and how God will use these no way out situations for his glory and for your good. I could probably stop there, but I don't want to. You want to hear the rest of the story. Even if you don't, too bad. You will. Verse 6. And this is where it starts getting kind of funny, at least in my eyes. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, Peter, of course, so the feast is about to be over. It's time to kill him. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. So there's the no way out scene, right? You got the chains, you got the guards, you got it all, right? And you would, you kind of expect to see Peter in tears and going, God, what are we going to do, blah, blah, blah. Instead, the scene is this. And you're like, what? What is Peter? Maybe he was praying before. I'm sure he was. Maybe he was in tears before. It doesn't really tell us, but this is just such a humorous scene of, of Peter just asleep chained to guards while centuries are, are, are guarding the door and there's no way out. And I want you to make this connection because remember this is the same week, different year, same week that Jesus was crucified, right? And, and do you remember the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus was in chains and Jesus was bound and, and what it was Peter doing while he was free, put in quotes, that night. Do you remember? He was sobbing in the dirt after having denied Jesus three times. Now, it's the night before his death, and he's not free, and he's 
sleeping peacefully. So, so some of you, maybe you've denied Christ. You're just like, I don't need Christ. And you think you're free from all that religion stuff. I'm here to tell you, you are the one in chains. Chained to your own sin. Chained to your own tears. It is actually when you are free in Christ, now no matter what pit of despair comes, you have the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding. Because the chains have gone and you've been set free. And so there's Peter. And now the angel comes. It gets even funnier. This isn't like, you know, Gabriel. Maybe it is. They don't, we don't name him, but it doesn't really seem like it. It seems like the kind of angel that God would send me. I want you to, uh, as you see this first sentence, this is almost, it's very similar to Luke 2. Same writer. Christmas story, right? Shepherds, darkness. Behold, angel, light. Beauty, right? Shepherds are like, whoa, it was a traumatic event. So this angel, right, comes. Maybe it's the same angel. I don't know. It says, behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. So picture it, right? That's why it's, to me it's funny, right? Peter's sleeping, in front of, right, and Behold, and light shines through, and the angel's like, here I am. And Peter's still. The angel's like, wake up. Get up, right? Get up quickly. And the chains fall off his, his hands. And then, it, and then it keeps going. The angel said to him, dress yourself. Put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. He's like a parent trying to get his kid off to school. Right? Get up, get up. Huh? What? Put your socks on. I don't know if your mom did this or mine did, right, with the hair. That's gross. I'd rather just, you know, but I don't know. Maybe the angel's doing that to Peter. I, probably not. But, but he hits him to wake up, get your clothes on. He's telling him every step. And Peter's just like, huh? Right? And in verse 9, and went out and he followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Peter's still sleeping. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm, still, I'm having a dream here. And so the angel's leading them every single step of the way. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and they went along one street, and immediately the angel left them. I love that. No niceties at all. Good luck, Peter. See you now. See you. It's almost like the angel's a little annoyed to have to be there with Peter, to be honest. And that's just me. That's why I think God would send that angel to me, you know. Jamie, wake up. Oh, oh my goodness. Bob, you're going to you're gonna have to finish. I just gave myself a concussion. No, but that's how it feels sometimes. Like, like that's what we need sometimes. And, and that's what Peter needs. Wake up, right? And here's the beauty about the story. It's Peter, is, he, he can take zero credit for any of this. Asleep, didn't even know what was going on. Next thing you know, he's out in the streets, and the angel leaves. And he's like, huh? Right? What's going on? And so Peter looks around. He came, finally comes to himself, now that he's free. And he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. He knew they were going to kill him. He knew that was his destiny. Right? And so in his deepest, darkest place, God rescues and he sees it face to face. You see, you might be in a deep, dark place. 
It might even be your sin that has you there. Helpless. Helpless because of the deep shame of unforgiven sin. This exact, well, this passage was the basis for one of the stanzas in in a hymn. If you grew up in church, you might remember this. Charles Wesley wrote it, and can it be? Remember that? Listen to this. This will remind you what we just read. Wesley wrote, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. So he, what Wesley took, that passage where Peter was physically free to every single Christian in that moment when you've trusted the salvation in Christ, whether you knew it or not, or were too young or not, or it's vivid to you to this very day of when you knew you were free to follow thee. The first step when you're in that pit of despair is to keep going. But the second step when you feel like there's no way out is to keep believing, to keep trusting. So if, if, if Wesley's saying that, man, that chains of sin, and I've been set free. So in Christ, that's every one of us. If you've never trusted Christ alone for the salvation of your sins, you are in chains. And you might not admit it, but deep down inside you know it. You can be set free to follow him. The only way to do it is to trust that Christ died for you, that Christ rose, that he's Lord and Savior. That's why Wesley wrote, to then follow thee. That's what we do now. And so for us who are trying to follow him and we end up in that prison, in that pit of despair where the bars are thick and the walls are thicker and, and they're high and, and we're down low and we're chained up and we don't see a way out, you keep on believing. You keep on trusting. You don't just keep going, you keep believing because those chains are gone. And sometimes we don't see it. But here's the lie. The lie that we tend to, to be tempted anyway to believe, and, and it even rhymes, right? That in our despair, God isn't there. I know, it came to me this past week. I'm impressed. I don't know about you. In our despair, God isn't there. He's somewhere up there. He's in church or he's with that person or with that family. But Christ is not in this with me. I don't see him. I don't feel him. He's not there. That is a lie from hell. In Christ, he promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. He is there. He was there with Peter. He was there with the church straining for Peter. He was even there with James. He was there. He's always there. Do you remember um, how, how Jacob in the Old Testament, and maybe you don't, but he's this Old Testament guy, and he's, he's in a place of despair. He's wrestling with this guy all night long. He wakes up to realize it was God himself that he was wrestling with. And he names that place Bethel, right? Because it means God is there. 
You need to understand that whatever place you're in or the person you care about is in, whatever uh, a pit of despair they're in, it's named Bethel because God is there. You might not see him, you might not feel him, but you gotta realize and you gotta cling to the cross and to see the love God has for you and you gotta remember the empty tomb, the victory he has won for you and you have to remember in those times, that's how you keep believing and keep trusting is no, he's in this with me. He has a plan for it. He's doing something. I don't see it, but he's doing it. You know, he, he, he's, he was doing it with Peter and he was doing it with James. Right? What about James? He was in prison, and he died the next day. He doesn't have a, a, a somewhat friendly angel to help him out. Well, remember in our faith series, we went through Hebrews 11, and if you were with us then, it's that whole chapter where it just says, by faith, and there's all these examples. And, and, and in verse 34, he gives examples of by faith, it's quenched the power of fire. By faith, escaped the edge of the sword. That's Peter, right? That's him. By faith were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to, fl to flight. That's great news. Those are great stories of faith. But then in verse 37, I don't know if you remember this one. By faith, they were stoned. Stephen, by faith, they were sawn in two. There's Isaiah. And by faith, they were killed with the sword. There's James. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. No way out. You keep on trusting. You keep on believing, regardless of what the results will be. Peter, he slept on while he trusted God. And he thought to himself, I'm sure, maybe this is my time like James, or maybe he'll deliver me. But God is God. Whatever he does is right and good, and I trust him. It wasn't always that way with Peter. And he'll screw up again. But you remember that, 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 that maybe, maybe, you know, Peter just looked at James as an example. We don't know this biblically, but in the very next generation of Christians, we have preserved writings where they wrote the story of James's death. So again, probably true, but I can't say for sure. But it's a great story. That James, when he was in prison, like Peter was, chained to a guard, like Peter was, he shared Christ all night long with the guard. And the guard, as they were bringing him out to, 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 um, to kill James, repented of his sin, trusted Christ, and died by the sword alongside of James. That's a cool story to think about. So in James's attitude is, I'm just going to do what God's called me to do. I'm in his hands. There's no way out, but there's always a way out. You see, because the chains might not fall off in this circumstance or when you want them to, but your chains are not eternal when you're in Christ. There will be a destiny that God has for you that is good, it is great, it is amazing, and you have to remember that and keep trusting and keep believing. Maybe Peter, um, maybe he... Uh, uh, had already heard Paul's philosophy, right? Probably not, still kind of early, but you never know. What was Paul's philosophy? To live is Christ. To die? That's a gain. It's tough to hurt Paul, isn't it? We're going to let you go. Sweet, I can keep preaching Christ. We're going to kill you. Great, I can go be with Christ. Can't bother this guy. 
That's the attitude of faith. To Friends, no matter what, no matter what, no matter how your circumstance turns out, God will not let you go. I mean, Peter eventually was in prison and he died. Most likely we think he was crucified upside down. Paul got out of prison many times, but there was that one where he wrote his last letter to Timothy. And he said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. But he also wrote, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. I kept believing. I kept going. So in that prison, keep trusting him. God will not let you go. God will not let you go. He's there. He's got you. He's got this. And he is truly, as we just sang, sovereign over all of it. So even when you don't see it, keep trusting. Let's just finish this story because there's more humor here, at least that I see. When Peter, remember we left him, he was out in the streets, angel just took off. When he, you know what's cool to think that angel's still around? Like I said, God will probably send him to me. But he's somewhere around, just like all of his angels. And they're more powerful than we are, and they're smarter than we are, and half the time they're probably like, what is the deal with these people? And they look on in awe at the love and relationship that God has with us. They're in awe of it. They're in awe of it. When he realized this, Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Remember, they're straining in prayer. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. This girl, also named, uh, would be translated Rose, that's her name, beautiful name, servant girl, right, knows Peter and comes to this big gate. This is a wealthy house, a widow, John Mark's mother, Mary owns this, that's where they're, uh, it's, we know it's a wealthy house because it has gates. Same way today. How do you know you got a rich house? You got a gate, right? Poor people don't have gates. So this is a rich house, big room, a lot of room for them to meet. And Peter, he's in the, on the streets and the king wants to kill him. So you got to get off the streets. And so he goes to this house, and you can see him. He's just like, make sure the street lights don't get on him, you know. And right? Servant girl, knows him, comes to him, can't see him, asks who's there. Peter says, it's me. It's, it's, it's Peter, right? She recognizes Peter's voice, and in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Imagine Peter. What are you doing? Let me in. She just forgets to open it. So she goes in and tells everyone who's praying for Peter to be delivered. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. That's why they're my people. I relate to that. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying it is his angel. We don't know what in the world they meant by that. So we'll just skip it. But it wasn't an angel. It was Peter himself. So they're in there. They're fighting about, well, not fighting, but they're, they're debating over whether Peter's there. And Peter's outside, right? And Luke tells us. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, still knocking. And when they open, they saw him and were amazed. And so imagine that scene out at the gates, out in public, and they're all going, it's Peter. You were right, Rose. It's Peter. Right? And, and uh, Luke tells us that <laughs> picture Peter, right? He goes, motioning to them with his hand to be silent. Quiet. Be quiet. They're like, Peter, right? Herod could be out there. Just chill, people. Let me in this house. 
And so he tells them, the report reported, uh, he, he uh, described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison and he said, tell these things to James, that would be the brother of Jesus who was a high up leader in the church, and to the other brothers. That he depart, then he departed and he went to another place. All right? It's like, shh, tell everyone I'm delivered. God answered your prayer. Now I'm going to lay low for a while. Hide out. And he would eventually travel and, and do, um, still be a beast for the gospel until the Lord finally took him home. And so my last is really the second acted out. No way out, keep going. No way out, keep believing. And so no way out, keep praying. Believing is praying. It's the action of, of, of belief is prayer. Because you believe God is there and you believe God is hearing you even if you don't see it and you don't hear him and you keep praying. Peter prayed, God answered. His, his, his church was praying for him and straining with prayer, God answered. But here's the thing as you do that. Don't let your soul get damaged by this horrible garbage theology that would say you aren't healed right now because you haven't believed enough. That's garbage. God heals in God's time and in God's way. Keep trusting and keep praying and have others pray for you and keep going and keep straining and don't give up and don't listen to the enemy that says you may as well give up. Right? You're, uh, you, you, you are with Christ. And that's what you have to preach to yourself every day. Like the psalmist in Psalm 118, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. That's your prayer if you're in a pit of despair. Out of my distress. Not once my distress was over. No, 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 no. In the middle of your distress, you cry out to the Lord. It's like in our But God series. You remember Jehoshaphat? <laughs> we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I don't, in my distress, but I look to you and I trust you and I'm going to keep obeying you and I'm going to keep going and I'm not going to listen to the enemy and I am going to believe. That's my hope for me and for every single one of you. Keep going, keep believing, keep praying. Let's go to the Lord and pray ourselves. Father, we thank you for your word of truth, for your deliverance. I thank you for all of the Christians that are listening to this or part of this prayer right now, whether in person or online or wherever they are, that you have freed them from the chains of sin and death. You died for them. You rose. You are Lord. They are free to follow thee. Lord, I pray for anyone who came into this room not trusting Christ, that they, maybe they did this morning already, or maybe they're about to just say, Jesus, you're, you're the only way. Would you give them the heart to believe, the eyes to see that you are, Jesus, the only only Savior that can help them. And by faith, they will trust you. Lord, I pray for, I pray for those in the, that are here and under great distress. They're in some kind of pit, some kind of no way out situation. Would you strengthen them? Would you wash over them with your spirit that might begin to believe again? Maybe they were about to give up last thread 
Help them stand upon your promises, your truth, your love, your grace, your mercy. Sustain them, Lord. Send an angel if need be. We know they're all around us. You always help when we need it, where we need it. You're with us right now. Remind us of that, not just in church, but every day when we wake up, the Lord is in this with me. Lord, we pray for our uh, brothers and sisters all throughout the world that are in actual persecution like that church in Jerusalem. They're in prison or they're, they're hiding or they're running for their life or they've, they've been booted from their villages or their families because of Christ. We pray. We love them, Lord. We know you love them more. We ask for you to give them courage and strength. We know we'll celebrate eternity with them, worshiping you. We look to you out of our anguish, out of our pain, out of our suffering, and know you are the Lord who frees. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, church.